And we are back. This is Eric, and I'm coming to you live day two from the Sports Card Expo and Memorabilia in Toronto. Got a nice line wrapped around me looking to get Martin Brodeur uh, autographs. This this is a, a little bit of a crazy thing to see because... I've never seen it. I've never seen it wrapped around like this. But uh, that's neither here nor there because you can't see that. Uh, what I am wanting to talk about today is the Forgotten Leaf. Uh, the '67 Leafs are a historical hockey team, and I have a gentleman sitting in front of me by the name of Mr. John Brenneman, um, who played 40. Am I getting that right, sir? 41 games, 41 games for the Leafs. Uh, they won the they won the Stanley Cup that season, but he does not have a ring. And uh, we wanted to talk about how that happened and maybe start, get a ground roots uh, process going on here to, to see if we can get this man a ring because he definitely deserves one. John, uh, please introduce yourself. How long did you play hockey? Um, I played approximately um, uh, between uh, NHL and, and the minors about uh, 11 years. 11 seasons. 11 for, seasons. Okay. And you played for the Leafs, the Seals. You played in Fort Worth for the Wings. Uh, am I missing any teams there? Well, you, uh, I played with New York Rangers, okay. uh, Detroit Red Wings. Okay. And uh, um, basically four teams in the NHL. The only okay. two I didn't play for was... Uh, um, uh, Montreal. Okay. And uh, who was the other one? <laughs> the, so the uh, Bruins? And the Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins. Okay, so teams. you're part of that original six that, uh, that that's that's history in and of mm-hmm. itself. So the, let's talk about the 67 Leaves, man, because they are just iconic here in Toronto. Uh, they, won it, they, won it, they won the championship. But rightfully so, you should have a ring, but you don't have one. Can you tell us that story? Well, um, I, I was... Um, Punch Imlach, who uh, um, uh, favored me playing on the third line a lot, uh, went into the hospital with uh, heart problems. And he was in there a month and a half, two near the end of the season, where King Clancy took over the club. Okay. And uh, uh, anyway, I got a call from King Clancy one morning. He said, we found a way to get you down to Rochester. We'd like to see you play a lot more. And, I, of course, I was confused at that time about sure. you found a way to get me down. <laughs> but without any agent, I couldn't, no agents, association hadn't been developed. Sure. So I, I just left and accepted it. And uh, thinking that I would be called back for the playoffs, right. um, uh, I wasn't for some reason, like, a lot of confusion into the playoffs there around the league teams and playing. Right. So somebody just forgot, I guess. <laughs> they just forgot. <laughs> yeah. and, and so the Leafs go on to win the, the cup, and you're still in Rochester. Is that right? Yes. And yeah. Well, I was. Uh, we were. We were. Th- we were through the playoffs in Rochester, so I was basically available to come to back, back to up. the Leafs. And, yeah. and that didn't. You didn't that get didn't a call happen. back up. Didn't happen. Yeah. And then so. But you played. You should have played enough games to qualify for the ring. That's that's correct, I, right? I would have thought. Um, I don't know what the rules were at that time, because uh, 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 one player in Autry Erickson got into one game and he got a, a ring and his name on the Stanley Cup. And you you don't have a ring nor your name on the Stanley, Stanley Cup. No, that is a great thievery <laughs> of yeah. hockey. That's that doesn't make any sense. I. Um, I get numerous letters from uh, people sending me autograph cards. That that is the first sentence they put in. Why aren't Why aren't you? Don't right. you have a ring? Or why aren't you on the Stanley Cup? And uh, 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 I probably should have pursued this more intense um, 
after after that year. Right. Uh, but sometimes that a mile sort of guy didn't want to make waves. While right. He was still playing. Just that is a great injustice. So um, I, I don't want to rile up any any hard feelings or anything, but it, it's a little dis- you got to be disappointed by it, right? I mean, oh, I'm very disappointed because uh, yeah. especially if you got guys playing one game getting a, getting his name on, yeah. you should definitely be there. So what what kind of things have you done to try to rectify the situation and correct it? Well, I went to the. Uh, 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 I've talked to to some media, and, and they mm-hmm. expressed their views in in the, in the Toronto newspapers. Sure. And um, uh, uh, basically, most of the people Harold Ballard Punch they're they're all deceased. So uh. it's. I I guess my only thought would be to um, uh, go to the present. Yeah, uh, the president now and right. tell him my story. If I get that chance, and maybe there's something they can do. Sure. At, at this point in time, and well, see down in the states, the uh, the scabs for the the Washington Redskins, they finally got their rings this year for a championship that they won 20 years ago. Wow. So, so there's hope for yeah. a guy like yourself, <laughs> right? But that this is just a great injustice. So, um, you so you reach out to certain players but you need to get the president uh, of the i guess the players association and in in the nhl right absolutely yeah so um what we need to do then for my listeners is we need to just uh have a grassroots effort to make that happen we got we got to get john's name out there to the right people and make sure that his uh his stature in in hockey lore is is fortified because i mean you played on one of the one of the most unforgettable teams ever and you've been, excuse me, screwed out of an opportunity to have your name uh, etched in history, and literally etched in history. That's uh, I'm I'm very sorry to hear that. That's really crappy. <laughs> well, as the years have gone by, I've I've uh, actually tried to uh, uh, forget some of that, but I I'm continually reminded by good friends and people that send me cards sure. to to go and find. Right, a, a way to right resolve this. So, um, without bringing up too much more hard feelings, I'm I'm going to personally I'm going to speak with Mr. Reed later on today, and I'm going to uh, ask him about maybe how how we can make this happen or at least get it started, because uh, I feel that this is something that belongs to you, and you you definitely need to see it in your lifetime. So, uh, I so you have my word that I'm going to make I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Well, I appreciate that, and thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, I want to talk to you about cards, if you don't mind, for a minute, because we are a card a card collecting podcast. Uh, we we talk a lot of sports collectibles. How does it feel to see your name on cards? Is that something that you ever thought thought about when playing? Um, uh, not not at the beginning, but right. as 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 uh, probably basically after uh, I I retired when I was getting these numerous cards from uh, kids, sending them for, right. for a signature, and I. Um, as I was telling uh, um, Darren, uh, my friend here, that uh, there were so many times I arrived late in the season, mm-hmm. and they'd already taken taking the pictures, for, yeah. so they duplicated some cards. Me, hold, I'm a left-hand shot, and uh-huh. I was holding a right-hand stick, <laughs> so a lot of the hockey cards were just duplicated. That's very funny. Yeah. Um, I, I want. What, when was your rookie season? What was that? What was that? Would have uh, been. Uh, rookie season would have been in 60 
Uh, I belonged in, in that time. You came out of St. Catharines, the teepees. Uh-huh. Uh, we belonged to Chicago, so I went right to Chicago, but only got into 20 games that oh, year and was oh. sent down to the minors. Down to the minors. But you should, have a, you should have a rookie card then from the 60. Opeachy at least. That's uh, awesome. I, I would have thought, but I don't ever remember. Uh, maybe it was after I left it. Sure. They, they came in and took right. official hockey cards. Right. I, I, I have... I, I don't have a I have a card in Chicago but it's not the the, the legitimate one yeah it's just from the, the Chicago press from the team there. okay those are still very collectible uh, just just in my field like so I what I'm the hockey analyst at Beckett media so what I do is I look at I look at cards and I help price them Um I can definitely look up your your rookie card and see see what it's worth you know that'd be great that'd be awesome wouldn't it yeah. um do you have any do you have any uh Memories that you might like to share of playing, like maybe your favorite game or that you played in, or or well, something. Well, yeah, I have. <clears throat> I've, I've got many memories. One uh, one great memory. I was uh, drafted by, by St. Louis, but I was traded before the season started to the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. And they put me on a line with with uh, Gordy Howe and Alex Delvecchio. Oh for my the first goodness! Twelve games. So <laughs> if that wasn't a thrill. <laughs> Playing with the greatest. <laughs> you played with you played on the same line as Gordy Howe. Yeah, I did. That is insane to think about. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Was he just as vicious as as everybody says he was? Even at that age, he wanted to keep away from his elbows. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You were sharing with me off air uh, that you played for the Fort Worth Wings, which is a. Uh, it, if you're not from my part of the country, you probably don't know who the Fort Worth Wings are or were, but. Uh, can you share a memory about playing at Will Rogers Coliseum? Because that's really interesting to me. Um, I, I think what was most amazing to me were it was the first year they had hockey, and uh, the enthusiasm and how how quick the fans in that town just started to love hockey. Sure. And uh, uh, very vocal during a game. Mm -hmm. So that part uh, uh, made made us all feel good when we were out there in the ice with you're, lots of backing. You were saying they love fighters. Yes, they, <laughs> they love fighters. I, I have a good friend that uh, we were in a pub this is several years ago sure. and he was talking about me playing professional hockey and a girl behind the bar said bartender said like well how did how come you have all your teeth you played that many years. <laughs> My friend said the only time Brenneman went into the corner was when there was a fight at center ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Not true, but... <laughs> I, got a, I got a piece here uh, from, see, the Saturday Sun, February 17, 2007. This is, a, this is a piece called The Forgotten Men of 67, and it's lit, written by Lance Hornaby from the Sun Media, and it's basically your story. And uh, you can go back in the archives and find this uh, on the Toronto Sun. But uh, I'll just read the first paragraph here. John Brenneman played more than half the 66-67 schedule for the Maple Leafs. <clears throat> Had as many points as Bob Bond and helped Toronto out of mid-season slump that threatened their playoff spot. But you won't find the winger's name on the Stanley Cup that year. The same for Kent Douglas, Bruce and Dick Gamble, Gary and Al Smith, Britt Selby, Wayne Carrollton, Dwayne Rupp, and Jim McKinney. Basically, you guys all didn't get rings, and you didn't get your name on the cup. Uh, no. I, I think legitimately, though, uh, the players that you mentioned after me were sent down 
okay. in January, and that was just they were getting tryouts. Okay. And then once you reached the January the fifth, you were a, a member of that of team. that team. Uh, they didn't. Ha- those players didn't have to go wait through waivers. They could be automatically sent to the minors. Oh, right. Okay. Whereas I had to be go through waivers, which I don't. Uh, Eagleson said I properly didn't, didn't go, go through, through waivers. waivers. That sounds like a slum. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. I just wanted to make my listeners aware of this. Again, I'm going to talk to Mr. Reed personally and see if we can maybe get your name out there further. And I really appreciate you stopping by today. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, some of your teammates are going to be here tomorrow. You're going to swing back by hopefully I'm to see them? Hopefully will. Awesome. That yeah. That's going to be a great yeah. reunion moment. Thank you so much, sir, for stopping down. I really appreciate it. You have my word that uh, I will do what I can to help you in this situation. Well, thank you very much. All right, guys, you hang tight, and I'll be right back. Hey, this is Jeff Eisenman of The Post Game, and you are listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out after that quick break, and we are rolling right along here on day two of the wonderful uh, sport card and memorabilia expo it's cold outside i don't know if i've mentioned that earlier it was snowing on my way in but uh, we're about to heat things up now with upper deck and more specifically the uda side of upper deck something that we don't talk about often but they have a great program uda is a great program and the memorabilia that they're putting out is unbelievable with some of the biggest names in all of sports and you guys diane i'm gonna introduce diane hatley uh, she's she runs the uda program but you guys have had some of the biggest names in sports for 25 30 years right so yes. this is no this is not anything unusual no we've had jordan as an exclusive spokesman for some time we have lebron james mm-hmm. tiger woods and more recently we've done a lot more in the way of hockey so we have patrick waugh wayne gretzky and Connor mcdavid all as spokesmen for upper deck mm-hmm. uh, as well as a variety of other athletes that we have smaller deals and we just have an abundance of Upper Deck authenticated memorabilia now. Can you explain the UDA program? Because we, as collectors, we all know the hockey cards. That's that's what you guys do best. But tell us what the UDA program is and what kind of things they can find uh, from Upper Deck Authentic. Well, the program is we have a variety of things, jerseys, framed images, signed pucks, hats, gloves, things like that. Um, all available for sale. Uh, customers can go on UpperDeckStore.com to find these. And uh, we sell to both in the U.S., Canada, internationally. We're at a variety of shows in both the Canada and the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we set up at a lot of the international events, uh, like the Hockey in China that we just recently had and right. some of the global events. So it's, it's getting out there. We've got memorabilia available all over. Awesome. Now, uh, for those who have never attended this show, uh, you are also one hell of an MC that you you run the giveaways <laughs> over there. Uh, you have a very loud voice, ma'am. Oh, and, thank you. And we all hear you. So uh, <laughs> I just uh, if if you're ever listening to this and you hear upper deck in the background, Diane is who you're hearing. And she's <laughs> she's doing a good job controlling the crowd. All right. So you have again great great athletes uh, with UDA. You guys have done some very unique pieces. I remember it's been a few years since they've done them, but they were uh, they were golf pieces that had golf balls coming out of the glass yes. and, and soccer balls. And, and tell me about those. What were those called? Yeah, we still have those. Oh, awesome. They're called breaking through. And okay. so 
We've done with a variety of athletes where we have whatever sport they're playing. If it's hockey, they have a, a hockey puck coming through the glass. It's half behind the glass, half out of the glass. Right. And it gives that sort of 3D effect like it's in motion. We do it with basketball. We do it with golf balls, everything. So um, all of our big spokesmen, we have these breaking through pieces. And uh, some of them are quite large. The mm-hmm. Jordan breaking through is the, the wings piece with his arms right, spread out. Right. And it's true to life and then with the half a basketball right. coming through it's a there's massive piece and it's it is the key piece for the ultimate man cave it, it really they're stunning when you see them like the first time i saw them it took my and i think it was a messy did you guys have messy we have a messy piece with yeah. a half a soccer ball coming through yeah and it's giant it's yeah. probably five feet by four feet it's a very large image and um it's just it's, phenomenal. Yeah. You just can't beat it. There's nothing else like it there's, on the market. There's nothing else like it on the market. That's that's a good way to put it. And, the, and the, I also wanted to point out the Tiger Woods. Uh, it's it's full. It, it's full swing, and then the ball's coming out of the glass. It's, yes. It, it, it is almost too realistic to look at. Like, oh, I'm going to get hit. It's just <laughs> it's just uh, insane. Well, you guys do a great job there. Um, but another thing you guys do great are the. The, these black boxes that are the monumental boxes, right? Yes. So uh, we've, massive. Been, we've been doing these monumental boxes for a couple of years now, and they're t- phenomenal. They right. sell out at every show. Um, here in Canada, we do an all hockey box. Okay. There's three pieces of memorabilia inside, mm-hmm. and we've got some specialty boxes. We'll have spokesman boxes where you'll have one piece from Gretzky, one piece from McDavid, and one piece from Waugh. Oh, nice. Uh, some other boxes are like three Gretzkys all in one box, three Waugh's all in one box. And there's even some boxes that have a f- bonus fourth item, which is new this show. Okay. So it's 700 Canadian uh, plus HST, so 791 all in. We have 25 available today. Okay. We still have a few left, and we'll have 10 more available tomorrow. tomorrow. Our 15 yesterday sold out in about an hour. So wow. collectors are loving these. We have three pieces inside, and there's an opportunity to have a instant redemption piece inside if it's a, a large piece that doesn't fit in, sure. and we have the items on site. So you Very can nice. instantly redeem it, instant gratification, and you walk away with three great memorabilia pieces now um i i want to go back to the national because you guys have these there too yes and uh i saw a ben simmons box and a tiger woods box that were just absolutely amazing so if these boxes stack up anything like that then yeah. we're talking some nice things right? yeah they're very nice um at the national we do it a little bit different because it's in the states uh those boxes are uh a bit more expensive but and it's it's five pieces inside instead okay. of three, all and right. it's all sports combined. All sports. So you'll have basketball, soccer, what have you, in those boxes. The ones here at the expo show are all hockey, so you're going to have okay. three all hockey pieces inside. That's the whole, that makes a lot of sense here. Yeah, right? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now you run the UDA, UDA program for Canada, and there's yes. somebody who runs it in the states as well. Uh-huh. So. Um, is there is there obviously you said there was a difference in the boxes, but is there a difference? Do you see a difference in the type of stuff that the can the Canadian hard brick and mortar stores get versus what the the American stores? Get? Is it all hockey up here? Do they see it's those other mostly pieces? Mostly hockey. Okay. Uh, I do sell you know the odd uh, Jordan or LeBron you okay. know piece here and there, but it's far and few between. Sure. Um, we do have pieces here for the Canadian uh, 
consumers and, re- and retailers, mm-hmm. we have a fulfillment center here. So we have items ah. here available, ready to ship. So if somebody goes on UpperDeckStore.com, they purchase a piece. It's already here. It's already cleared customs. Duty's already paid. We get it to you easy peasy, and uh, consumers need to need to go on board and, and see what's what's available and, and make some purchases. You, you, beautiful pieces. You you hit the nail on the head there that you've already cleared customs. Yes. You've already, that makes such a difference in buying things, especially for you know Canadian buyers because mm-hmm. you know no one wants to pay customs from the states and that, that the transit can take forever. To right. know that you have a fulfillment center here is just absolutely perfect by upper deck yeah and it's stocked with all the things that folks are buying here most all the hockey and if you need a jordan piece or two i do have a couple of those items here but it's mostly just the hockey that we stock here it's it's what sells it's what works in canada sweet can you talk a little bit about the programs that you guys are doing here at the show uh with the we talked about the fall packs yesterday with uh with chris and we talked about singles day but what kind of stuff you are you guys giving out to the crowd over there because you always always have a big crowd around you when it's giveaway time so what do you what do you Yeah, we get a big crowd, and I've got a big voice. I'm not going to be shy about it. (laughs) Uh, We have a raffle every day that's free. Today it's at 12:45. Excuse me, 2:45. Tomorrow it's at 12:45. All right. Uh, And we give away a variety of items. We have shirts, hats, uncut sheets, Mm. signed pucks and hats, and all sorts of goodies uh, that we give away daily. We just give out raffle tickets and call out numbers and make some people happy. Um, In addition to our daily free raffle, we have the monumental boxes, which we spoke on. Mm -hmm. I do have a whole wall full of memorabilia pieces that are available for sale. Uh, We have the box breaks. So if you buy a box of trading cards at any of our dealers here, Mm -hmm. you go to the break zone, you break it, you get a specialty pack. We have a case break promotion as well. You break a whole case and you get some, some goodies with that as well. Um, and then we have a special Remembrance Day uh, shirt right, that we're wearing. Say, yeah. We're wearing it today because today's a bigger crowd as opposed to tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. And so we wanted to represent that. And we'll have some of these shirts and, and we'll be giving those away as well in the, in the raffles. Uh, Chris was talking about the programs that you guys run for just veterans appreciation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. You guys always do a great job with Remembrance Day. I'm a veteran myself, so uh, seeing what you guys are doing here with this is awesome. And then Veterans Day down in the States is just another great a great way that you guys give back. Now, this year you guys have uh, one card for, for Canadians uh, yes. and then one card for uh, the American uh, public. But we, we, we discussed that yesterday, but is that... I'm, I'm sure it is, but it's by design, right? You guys want to make sure that you're making an effort to, to give back to veterans. Um, so We do, yeah. absolutely. We want to honor them just as much as everybody else does. Sure. Uh, Remembrance Day is, is big here. It's it's bigger here in Canada yeah. than you know Veterans Day is in the States. Absolutely. And so we wanted to make sure that we were honoring that and respecting that. And any person that is a veteran can come to the booth we'll give you this free card of crappie um, yeah. it's it's a, a wonderful card a fabulous guy that you know supported winnipeg and um great way to honor him yeah great way to honor him okay is there any uh, uda program or anything like that that you want to get out there before we get you out of here uh your contact information any anything you want to mention 
Yeah, uh, just that if you want to make a purchase, go on UpperDeckStore.com. Okay. If you have any um, questions, concerns, mm -hmm. uh, folks can come to our booth. We have staff there from a variety of departments. Okay. So if you're here at the show, stop by. We've got folks from customer service, myself from UDA, people from marketing, all sorts of different departments. So we can help you out with anything. Uh, if you have any other, you know, questions about mm -hmm. UDA, you're welcome to contact me. I can be reached at uh, UDA underscore support at upperdeck.com. There you go. And um, enjoy the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Diane. I really hey, appreciate it. Hey, thank you. All right. All right. Take care. This is Michael from the Clubhouse. You're listening to Becca Radio. There you have it. All right, guys, coming up next here on the Fat Packs Podcast is uh, Mr. Ken Richardson. He is the owner of Pastime Sports and Games out in Vancouver, B.C. You are a long way from home, sir. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, first question, uh, Vancouver, hottest rookie in the league right now is, is uh, Elias Patterson. Is it Patterson? Is that right? Patterson. Patterson. How do you guys feel about that? Oh, it's been phenomenal, the the anticipation everyone has had waiting for his first uh, Upper Deck Young Gun card to come out, and there's a lineup of people waiting to get him, and and hopefully there'll be enough for one for everybody. Now, I have to ask you, what day did you get here? Did you get here Thursday or Friday? I got here on Thursday. We okay. we had a big Upper Deck launch party at, uh, at the shop, Okay. and unfortunately I wasn't able to attend, but... Uh, uh. From what I'm told, there was many rappers flying. That's what I wanted to get to, I mean, because that's a big release day, right? And uh, so, how does that day typically go in your shop? Is it just a massive party, fun? Hey, it's a new year. Let's let's have this kickoff party, basically. Yeah, we had a we had a a big one last year as well. We mm -hmm. had a, a big food truck that we had oh, parked nice. out front of the shop, so anyone who bought a box of Upper Deck got mm -hmm. a free burger, fries, and shake. There you go. Yeah, so I'm coming to Vancouver. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, and then we'll do. You know, some box breaks in the shop, and mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people bring their traders down, and so it's a it's a awesome real fun night. Awesome. So, how long have you had a shop? How long have you been in business? Uh, I opened my store in Langley in 1993. 93. Okay, so yeah. we're working on just like 25 years, right? Yeah. This year was our 25th anniversary. There you go. That's awesome. Now, before then, how long were you a collector? Or are you still a collector? How about that? I collect all the stuff I can't sell. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you remember what brought you into collecting? Do you? I mean, was there a set? Was there a player? Uh, I got my first job in a in a little collectible shop in okay in uh, 1986, and uh, they, I went in there to buy some stamps and coins for a school project, mm -hmm. and the the guy that was there offered me a a job, and really I took it and. Started getting into buying a few cards and comic books way back then to take them to the local shows and mm -hmm. try and make a buck or two. And back in the late 80s, early 90s was a pretty wild time. I bet, yeah, with, uh, well, I guess Gretzky going to L.A. there in 80, was it 89, right? So, was that 89? 88. 88, yeah. yeah. So Gretzky going, and then that Opeachy card had him in a Kings uniform that year, correct? That's correct. And so that was, a that was a big seller, and then... The, so then you had uh, Bro Driller's rookie, not too long thereafter. Yager's rookie, uh, Madonna. I get, how does Madonna play in, in Canadian lore? Because uh, we love him in America. So Well, the number one pick was Madonna, and, and uh, the number two overall pick that year was Trevor Linden. Mm -hmm. 
and he was uh, probably the most beloved Canuck of all time. Yeah. So it was a good draft for both of us. Yeah, I guess so. And then Jeremy Roenick was part of that dra- oh, part of that draft too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, I can't remember what he was drafted overall, but he was. It was later in the rounds. Right, His right, rookie yeah. card didn't come out until a couple years later in right. the in the ninety ninety one series. Yeah, pro set that pro set pro set score and upper deck. Yeah, all pro had set, them. yeah. And then card number sixty three, I think, in upper deck. Look at you with your knowledge, <laughs> man. That's awesome. That's uh, that's my wheelhouse. We didn't get hockey in Dallas until what ninety five, when when the North Stars moved down there. So uh, it was. I didn't know much about it before it came, and now you know. Now I'm a Stars Stars fan, and uh, you know, I follow the team and everything. But you guys in Vancouver, I want to ask about the Sedin brothers. Now that they're gone, how is that affecting your shop? Your shops? Is it, are you seeing uh, like maybe an uptick in sales with people looking for their stuff, or with this new rookie crop coming? Well, well, Besser last year, and, and uh, your guy Pat Patterson is it Patterson or Peterson? I say it wrong. Patterson. Patterson. Uh, Patterson this season, uh, and uh, Bo from a couple seasons ago. You guys doing okay now that the Sedins are gone? Yeah, it's the Sedins is a really unique thing because they were they were phenomenal players. They, yeah. You didn't come into the league necessarily, you know, by storm, but uh, after a few years, their play and skills developed, and mm-hmm. and you know they both led the league in in scoring on on a couple of occasions. Okay. Yep, and, that's right. But their 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 collectibles never really sold really? a lot. Yeah, really? yeah. That's so. Weird. Right when they when they announced their retirement and and all that, there was definitely a bump in interest in mm-hmm. in all of their stuff. Mm-hmm. But there there wasn't really a a big downturn because it was never really that much anyway. Sure. Okay. Um, Besser last year uh, was was huge. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's the first rookie that anyone's really. That has really moved the needle in Vancouver since Pavel Burry all the way. That really? was way back in, you know, like ninety one, ninety two. Wow. So it's been a, it's been a real long stretch. And he was the number one rookie in all the sets last year, and this year, uh, Pedersen has come along, and it's just, just been gangbusters. Sure. The, the momentum that was created by Brock has just, has just, just multiplied over. with. Uh, with Elias. What about, and I want to ask about Luongo because he was there for the longest time too. Uh, Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Uh, do you guys, is he still very popular in Vancouver? I mean, I remember when I lived in Seattle, he was just very beloved. And so, uh, is he still that way up there in Vancouver? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's definitely a fan favorite. His, his stuff doesn't move like it did uh, when he was still a Canuck. Sure. Like, you know, the late... Uh, 2000s there, 2007, 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. He was definitely the number one absolutely uh, property on the team for yeah. sure. Yeah, he, he's such a stud. He's just such a stud. I want to ask you to go back. We're, we're going to go on the way back machine, and we're going to go back to the mid 90s in basketball and talk about the Grizzlies. If you want, if oh you my goodness. For a moment. How was how was Big Country Bryant Reese received in Vancouver? They called him Sleep Country. Sleep Country. There's actually. <laughs> There's actually a, a very large mattress chain in, okay. in the in yeah. BC called Sleep Country, right? And, they call and, and, Sleep Country. and that's what they called him. Yeah, that's too much. That's <laughs> too much. He was like, I don't know if there, in my I know that there have been, but in my basketball watching lifetime, I don't think there's been a, like a bigger bust in a draft. I mean, I know I know there was you know the drafts in the '80s with uh, the, you know the ten, Ralph Sampson and the Twin Towers and all that. I know all that, but Bryant Reeves was just like a 
I remember him at Oklahoma, and he was just this ma- this monster, and he sucked in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I think didn't didn't they sign him to a seven year, yeah. seventy million dollar contract? Or yeah, some, it was ridiculous. Some crazy number, right? I think I think the team capped out one year with like eleven wins, and it's a season they had the most wins. I'm I probably wrong on that one, but it was not <laughs> very much. Then you guys also had uh, Sharif Abdul Rahim. He was a he was a good player for you guys. And, yep, but. Does bat? I mean, does there is there are there any lingering con- uh, Grizzlies fans there in Vancouver or? Uh, you know the retro hats and stuff like that. There's yeah. there's some interest there. I've never been a, a place that sold a ton of basketball cards. Obviously, when Jordan was still playing, sure. I mean they sold basketball cards everywhere. Right. Um, but there definitely was more of an interest in basketball cards when when the Grizzlies were there and there's been a decline mm-hmm. uh, since. Sure, you know. sure. Now, I want to get to Upper Deck because uh, Carlin brought you over and he sat down, he sat you down, he said, you need to talk to this guy. So what does Upper Deck mean to your shop? Because obviously they're the, they're, they're the hockey guys out there. You're a hockey shop. So having, having a great company like Upper Deck behind you can't be a bad thing, right? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. They are definitely the number one uh, property that we have mm-hmm. in our shops that we sell in the trading card sure. uh, section for sure. Um, they run lots of great programs from National Hockey Card Day. Right. Um, That's in the states too. The draft, you know, yeah. the draft day parties. There's all kinds of different programs throughout the year that, if you take advantage of it, you can really provide a, a fun experience for the people coming to your shop. Awesome. Now how. In the states, uh, we talk about you know kids getting back in the hobby, and, and the focus is always around baseball cards. Is there a same focus here in Canada, in Vancouver specifically, with getting kids back in the hobby, and you know with hockey cards? Is that is that like programs like National Hockey Card Day and stuff like that? How does that go? Yeah, I think it really does help. I think uh, another thing that that helps a lot is you know the generation that that grew up in the in the boom of the 1990s mm-hmm. is now is now getting a little bit older and right. having kids of their own. Right. And parents are wanting to exper- uh, share the experiences that they've had mm-hmm. with their young ones. And when, when they were a little kid, they remember opening packs of hockey cards with sure. dad and stuff like that. So we definitely see a lot of, a lot of fathers coming in awesome. with, with their young kids now. And, right. Uh, fathers are, fathers getting their kids back involved. It, I think I equate that to them really just wanting to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be par- partially it as well. But that's, it's so it's so awesome to see that uh, they do. Um, I know that the, the shop that I go to back in Dallas, I see a lot of fathers and sons in there. So it's 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 heartwarming to hear that the things same things going on in Vancouver. One of the great things about cards is there's you know a, a flavor for every appetite. Yeah. You, you yeah. know if or and budget as well. You know not mm-hmm. everybody not everybody can afford to to put a set of the cup together but right. you know whether it's a, a regular upper deck base set or, or an opichi or an mvp there's you know right you know it's something tangible and it's not sitting on the computer and it's you know actual social skills can be developed right. and, and stuff like that awesome awesome all right man uh, i don't want to keep you too much longer i know that there's a show going on that you probably <laughs> need to be at your booth so thank you for coming over but before we get you out of here are you on social media uh can you let my listeners know where they can find you uh especially my canadian listeners that are here on this side of the country can you let them know where they can find you on uh, social media yeah we have uh 
three pages on okay. on Facebook, one for each of the shops. The Langley store is the main page. All right. So on Facebook, Pastime Sports and Games, and we also have a sports card collectors group where people go and buy and sell and awesome. trade their cards, mostly locals, but, you know, if we're always looking for expand a sure. little bit there. We're at Pastime Sports on Twitter. All right. There you go, guys. Go check him out. Uh He's got a great shop. I, I know that because he's got three of them. So you don't do that by accident. Thank you very much for coming over and hanging out with me, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. All right. This is Marcel from The Summit Show, and you are listening to Beckett Radio. Rolling right along here on the podcast, day two from the Sports Card Expo. Hope you enjoyed that first day episode. Upper Deck has a great giveaway that they're running through this podcast strictly. So if you didn't listen to it, you don't know about it. And if you're hearing it now, you're probably too late. But they're they're running a great uh, giveaway. So please go check that out for all the details uh, in that episode. Now, sitting down with me right now is uh, my new friends Karn and Lou. Karn runs a very successful social media site on Facebook called The Big Three that let a lot of trading and, and, and selling and just hobby happenings take place on the Canadian side of the border. We, we talk a lot about uh, the American side and how social media has uh, affected uh, the hobby. And then we have Lou, who uh, Lou's just a big-ass, big-time collector. Is that right, Lou? Yes, sir. I, sh- I said big ass. I shouldn't have said big <laughs> ass. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you, you have one of the most impressive collections I've ever seen. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to start with Karn. Can we I'm do that? Certain. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Karn, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. Um, t- tell, tell me what the big three is. So essentially, uh, the big three, um, I started the group trying to uh, focus on three big players. So my group is essentially based around uh, Sidney Crosby. Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews cards. So I saw a lot of uh, social media groups that are very open and free and anyone can post anything. So I decided to create a new innovative group where it's highly focused on certain players that follow certain trends. So if there's a player that's hot, we post it in our group and uh, we try to sell the cards. Awesome. So what, how, long, how long has it been up and running? Uh, it's been running since uh, January of uh, 2018, so, so it's, uh, it's reaching about one year right now. Okay, one well, and you got you got your own T-shirts, you got your own marketing, and the, the yeah, you got. I learned from uh, Lou over here. You, you got to market your stuff, you know. Lou, if if you're the marketer, let's talk about your collection for just a moment and tell me why you're not marketing that thing because that it's it's, it's so impressive. I've I've had the the pleasure of seeing it and kind of evaluating it. But, I mean, you're, you're like this American icon who, who collects uh, really expensive cards. <laughs> so how did you get into hockey cards? Because I don't, I've never seen an American collector collect hockey cards the way you do. Well, I mean, uh, icon's a strong word when it comes to cardboard collecting, So, but I'll appreciate it. <laughs> nah, you know, I mean, like, I collected as a kid. Sure. I think, and I think most people find themselves in this situation where... You were into it as a teenager. Yeah. You know, you had a little bit of money. You'd go to card shows, and I used to love Tony Gwynn. Next thing you know, like, you're out of the hobby for a while, and then when you come back, it's all this new cool stuff. And what brought me back was I saw three, four auctions um, with the Wayne Gretzky auction when it went for, like, the 465. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then I started reading more and more about McDavid and Matthews. And then uh, when I saw that Matthews was 
grew up in Arizona, and I'm like, I didn't right. even know they played hockey in Arizona. You know what I mean? Like, nobody follows the Coyotes. Right. So it kind of started from there, and I've always loved the game. I'm a native Philadelphian, so I grew up with the Flyers, always loved hockey. So I just kind of poured my effort and energy into trying to really build, like, the most unique high-end McDavid collection that I could do because I just think he's going to be something similar to the next great one. Yeah, I, it's understandable. Now, you're sitting down together because obviously you know each other, but you are active in his room. Is that correct? Yes. So yeah, somebody referred me in. Somebody referred you in. They they brought you in. They brought you in the big gun there, Karin. <laughs> so, um, do you see much American interaction with with the Canadian side of things, or is it pretty much a Canadian room? Uh, there's uh, obviously a lot of Canadians in the room, uh, being based in Toronto. But what I'm seeing is since. Uh, McDavid and Matthews, you do see a lot more Americans joining the hockey community. Okay. Uh, especially someone like uh, Lou over here. Every Canadian collector knows him. He's one of the bigger collectors, and he's from America. And a lot of uh, the shipments that we're making are going out to the U- United States now, too. So sure. it's truly showing the growth uh, of the of the collecting sphere going on in uh, America. So I no. can definitely attest to that. Is... Um I've I've been in some Canadian rooms uh, that were strictly just Canadian guys. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about payment options because PayPal is sometimes a hassle, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's something is it called? There's some kind of like direct deposit from a bank from one Canadian bank to another Canadian bank. What is that called? You know what I'm talking about? Is it like EBT? Is it the EMT? Oh, yeah. EMT. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's the EMT that. I, I see where it caught up a lot of American collectors in Canadian rooms yeah, where they, sure. they couldn't do it and it kind of made deals go bad. So um, what are some what are some of the uh, what are other than those? I mean, what are some challenges that you see with uh, with Canadian and Canadian rooms with American guys in them? Yeah, well, in my group, actually, a lot of the bigger collectors uh, and the guys that are buying a lot of cards are from America and. Uh, I run into this problem all the time. They don't want to pay the transaction fees uh, with PayPal that they're charging two ninety nine per card you want to send money for. So sure. what I, I started doing is uh, starting tabs with uh, trusted uh, buyers and sellers. So okay. what I do is I keep the tabs for each uh, person and let them pay all at once at the end of the month or at the end of the week. Mm. And uh, that leaves um, the transaction costs lower than if you were sending it uh, each transaction. So Keep, keeping tabs is, is, can be dangerous, though, man. Have you been burnt on? I'm not asking you to name names, but have you been burnt on? I that? have not been burned yet at okay. all. All right. Yeah. Well. So it's it's worked out well, and then the community we're trying to build is a very trusting community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we vet out who's allowed to enter, and mm-hmm. uh, we make sure that all the deals go well. And yeah, it can be risky uh, holding tabs, but. You you got to find a way to get into that market, and uh, obviously the American collectors can't send us uh, the email money transfers. So sure. Now, it's something that I see that I've seen in other rooms is where Canadian guys on on this side of the border they'll have an American PO box or somebody in America that can get the cards over for them. Is that is that commonplace in your room? Uh, I don't uh, hear about it often, but uh, I know someone like Lou. He he he's someone that you can uh, use as a middleman too, uh, and. Uh, to send to an American P.O. box mm-hmm. and send it to wherever it needs to go. So I have heard it happen, but uh, it's not uh, too apparent yet, but I can see where things can go in that direction. How are you facilitating that, Lou? I think, I mean, the important thing to note is just that we're really trying to make sure that everybody feels included and that mm-hmm. you're just looking out for one another. Because the neat thing about Karin's room is 
with the big three and, and those players in particular, you're always seeing like the best of the best of those kind of cards, like the young gun auto buybacks mm-hmm. and you know the cool Matthews like three of fours and that kind of stuff. So, you know, really, it, I think we're all committed. Like we all want to see hockey essentially supersede something like baseball because it's just such a slow sort of boring sport to watch. Yeah. And then, but then you see something exciting with like Trout going crazy. Well, we're like. Why wouldn't Matthews and Crosby and McDavid do something similar? But in to answer your question, how do you facilitate? These guys trust me. You know, I have a hundred percent feedback. I have my own website as well. Okay. Um, so anybody that needs help, you know, I'm always happy to like. All right, if you can send it here, I'll send it there. And we take pictures, you know, for one another and send them to wherever it needs to go. And Karn really operates as the the admin of like. All right, look, if you're going to do this and it goes here, then Lou, you need to do. You need to prove. And then, so I just send accordingly. And nobody wants a bad reputation. Nobody, and, yeah. and again, some of the deals that I've been able to make in that room, just trading, mm-hmm. you know, let alone anything else, I don't know. A lot of times you, you, you get hesitant, but it's a vouch for room. And I've made probably three healthy size deals. Some of the cards, sort of sight unseen, like raw. Corn's gone out and gotten them graded for me, and mm-hmm. they've come back gem mint. And I'm like, that was a great trade. Awesome. And on things I've never even touched. And I wouldn't do it if I wasn't in that kind of room. Awesome. That, it's a vouch for a room that, that's that's important. Yeah. What kind of what kind of admin rules are set up in there that that are? I mean, obviously we know the big ones, but I've I've been hesitant always to set up a page because I don't want to hassle with that, right? Mm-hmm. So, what kind of rules are set up or in place that are protecting guys in that room? So in. Uh our group in particular, that was one of the issues. I didn't want to have a, a group where anyone can post things and uh, the group gets clogged up. So everyone has to go through the admins to sell their cards. Okay. So I, I, I and my other admins uh, facilitate each uh, sale and transaction. Okay. So whoever wants to sell their cards comes to me and I have to go through and vet the process. Is this person uh, trusted? Uh, mm-hmm. If he sells the card, is he going to provide a tracking number? And mm-hmm. then I get the two parties that want to complete the transaction into a Facebook group, mm-hmm. and I let them talk to each other. And if they make a deal, they send the tracking number to me. So it, it, it's, a, it's a very stringent process, but sure. it's working well. And that's a, it's a very high-end group, so that's how it should be. So right. we try to keep it in... Uh, the cup rookies, the McDavid rookies, the RPAs. So that's the things we're trying to deal with here. So yeah. I'm trying to keep it in a very confident and trusted group. Is, is there kind of like an unspoken uh, value level? Like if we don't want your we don't want your common young guns, right? We want we want to see high end. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's uh, we don't we don't say it directly, but uh, indirectly, I think uh, people understand. Even from the name, it's called the Big Three because we yeah. want the big cards of the three big players. That's what we're trying to go <laughs> That's for. Funny. And we also go for the hot players as well. So sure. if there's. Uh, like right now, we're uh, looking at Pedersen Young Guns coming yeah. through the group. Yeah. Uh, we got we've already have BGS ten Pedersons through the group already, and wow. there's probably only two three graded. So that's crazy. Yeah. What do you think that guy's gonna do? He's he's got ten ten goals and ten games. I mean, he's personally, he, I think that guy is unbelievable. He's uh, kind of small though, isn't he? I he's mean, small, but the NHL is uh, going towards a skilled game, and I think that's gonna actually help the growth of the game. Uh, okay. Seeing players play with the puck and controlling the puck, it's just a lot more exciting. I think that's what helps the growth of the game as well. People like Pedersen, who are just play so smart and have such a great hockey IQ. Uh, he's just a player. You see him on the ice, and you can just tell he's going to be a superstar. So Right, right. I think what's interesting about him, though, is that Vancouver has been sort of a doormat for the last few years. 
and then finally the Sedin twins right. you know, retired. Right. So now it's opening up for them to play this faster, more skilled game that they didn't always do. You know, and those guys were great, but they slowed the game down for the Canucks as they got older. Right. So now all of a sudden they're like, oh, look at these guys. Nobody ever heard of them because they never really got first-line opportunities. And now this kid, you know, is like him and, like, Philip Forsberg are all of a sudden like, oh, my gosh, like, who are these guys? Right. And uh, my thing is, I mean, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't be paying like immediate prices right now on Pedersen just because he is young. He's mm-hmm. just there, and t- they do tend to slow down as the season. Like it'll be interesting to see if he can keep up with the grind because, like you said, he is a little bit smaller. You know, a couple of good body checks here and there. You know, yeah. like you get slowed down with the upper body injuries and that kind of stuff. But I agree though with Karn. I mean, he looks like you know he could be the next sniper kind of guy, like a line A, but maybe yeah. with a little more name recognition. Very nice. Let's talk about some guys in the last few rookie classes. Like, you, you guys are looking at, at, at Matthews and McDavid and Crosby. What about, like, Larkin and Marner? And, I mean, is there is there, is there value going to hold in rooms? And, like, Marner, for instance, this season, I've, I I do the hockey price, and I've, I've already upped his young guns because he's, he's playing lights out right now. But guys like Larkin, Marner, uh, Line to some extent, Eichel. Are they? Are do you? How do you think those guys are going to do? Personally, I, I, Larkin is on my list of players that can bounce back. Uh, he's got the original six uh, team. He's got mm. a fan base that is pretty, uh, pretty big, and they do spend money on their collectibles. So I would invest in Larkin, and I see him bouncing back, and he is play, starting to play a little better. So sure. uh, just watching him play, he's, he's the next. Uh, big player for uh, the Red Wings and they have a lot of good up and coming prospects coming in too yeah. so once that team starts doing well starts uh, getting that rebuild going I see his going, uh, his uh, price going up for sure Sure. and in terms of the other players like Marner Marner he is he's taking the the Leafs and he's uh, making it his team along with Matthews he used right. to be more of a one and two situation and it's starting to be a one A one B situation here so I can see Marner's cards just going up exponentially for sure if you guys didn't hear that, it's because Frank Thomas was just interview, introduced. So, uh, what, what do you think, man? Is that, I mean, you're you're a high end co- collector. Is there, are those some of the names that you Marner might? Marner by far is my favorite of the names that you listed. What about um, Domi in, up in, in Montreal? Doesn't do much for me. I mean, it, um, I'm not saying that he can't do anything or whatever, but I think I think Marner. It's it's so interesting now with Tavares there as well. I mean, like. Toronto's got three guys. If, like, if you listed like the top five most popular collectibles mm-hmm. in hockey, Toronto probably has three players yeah, on definitely. their team. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, you know, like if, if just hypothetically say they win the division and they have this bang out year, you'd be struggling like to pick the Hart Trophy winner amongst those three guys with the way they they all can play. I think honestly, I think Philip Forsberg is extremely underrated in the hobby. That kid can play. Nashville's got a wicked fan base. I mean, they love their hockey. Um, so, like, I've, I've, I started to collect him a sure. little bit as well. I got some nice stuff for him. Um, so those are kind of my favorites. But I, I like Marner. I think I don't think there's any reason why he can't be on a Matthews-like scale. Sure, absolutely. I think so, too. I think you're right. Um, all right, man, you guys have been chatting with me for about 15 minutes, so I'll, I'll get you out of here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Uh, now, you said it's a vetted room. Yep. So... For for my guys that listen and they want to get in, they got to know somebody. Sure. Is it a secret room or is is it a closed room? No, it's just a closed room. It's so, just a closed room. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook. So it's the Big Three Sports Breaks. Okay. 
and uh, you just um, ask to join the group, and uh, I have a couple of questions I ask, and uh, you answer them, and we'll see if uh, you can get in. There you go. Now, you want to give out your social media? Anybody? Good, you good. Yeah, I got uh, Instagram. It's Instagram.com. That's the big three hockey is the tag. Okay. And no, and no Twitter? No Twitter. Not yet. Get, get your game yeah. up. All right. <laughs> what about you, Luke? So I got a little bit of everything. I'm uh, sportscardexchange.com uh, is the website. SportsCardX is the Twitter handle. Okay. And then on Instagram, I'm LGP Sports Cards because okay. somebody stole my, stole my Sports Card Exchange. But I, I'm, I'm branded as Sports Card Exchange. You can find me. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. You guys hang tight. We'll be right back with another interview from the 2018 Fall Expo floor. Hi, guys. My name is Mike Rubin. I own Colorado's best card shop, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards. And you are listening to Beckett Radio. Rolling right along here today, day two, 2018 Fall Sport Card Expo and memorabilia, courtesy of uh, Universal. They got us up here, man. We are sitting right across from my man Jimmy from Out of the Box. What's up, Jimmy? How are you doing? Oh, doing great. Now, uh, I asked before you came on, have you ever done a podcast? You said no, but you, you're you're the voice of the breaks. Uh, yeah, one of, the, of box. the two voices at Out of the Box. So uh, this should be pretty pretty kick for you then oh, right for sure awesome so let's talk about it out of the box how long have you guys been in business so we've been open now for six years okay so we just a uh, year and a half ago doubled our location we started as a breaker All online right. breaker mm-hmm. we opened up a brick and mortar store in uh, ottawa canada okay and we've developed from there now is that is that a, a, a it seems like t- most people have a, a brick and mortar then they start breaking you guys went the other way you i don't haven't heard many stories like that have you no i from what we've heard, it's unique as well. Yeah. But we, we wanted to do it the right way. We wanted to team up with Universal and Upper Deck. Sure. And then develop uh, the industry. Awesome. Well, what you, obviously, you have. You've you got a store now for... Well, how long have you had your brick and mortar? Brick and mortar were six years. Six years. Okay. Six so years how long now. have you been breaking? We've been breaking eight years. Eight years. All right. So what 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 was the point where you said, you know what, we can do this. We can open a brick and mortar. What... What developed in in the two years that you were before but while breaking to, to open the store? Just while breaking, we looked at uh, other opportunities that were out there, seeing okay. some of the stores that were sure. developing and how they were doing it the right way. And we wanted to move on to the breaking side with a store and like being able to provide the products in Ottawa. Right. Ottawa only has a couple stores, so okay. it was an opportunity we saw that could develop. And then we enjoy we enjoy the industry. We enjoy the hobby, so we wanted to bring it back. Uh, to the community now are you guys i mean, clearly you're going to be big senators guys out there but i mean is is it does the senator fan base flocking to the brick and mortar store or is it are they still buying online i think it's a mix it's a mix okay. we sell a lot of senator cards but uh, ottawa is a unique market we notice uh, right being close to montreal we got a lot of montreal fans toronto okay so we're we seem like we're right in the hub sure and we're only located uh probably about six blocks from the uh Oh, that helps! Right, right from, from the, the ring, ring. Yep. yeah, so that helps a lot. Like on game on game days, you got a little a lot of foot traffic. We do. Tons. Yeah, yep. Wow, and the Senators are the only game in town, right? Because there's no, I get one. There's minor league, there's junior hockey there, right? Yep. So yep. there's that, but there's no and there's no CFL baseball. Football, yeah. That's it. Yeah. CFL football. How's that? How's that do? We very had a guy good. on earlier. Very very good. Really, I, that's surprising yep. to hear. Uh, oh, Red Blacks are doing well, so. Is the Grey Cup soon? I don't know when the Grey Cup is. Yep. So, so the playoffs are just starting. So okay, all right. Are the Red Blacks in the playoffs? They are. Awesome. So who's like who's the best player on the Red Blacks? I like the QB. The Trevor Q- Harris okay. is the, the one people. That's follow. what everybody's looking for. Okay, now I know. Now I, I yeah. didn't know. Now I know. Are you a collector yourself? I am. Uh, how? What do you? What do you collect? So I 
I focused on a specific player, PC. I'm a Jerome McGinley fan. Okay. So growing up, collected McGinley, and then can't go that's wrong what I continue to collect. Awesome. Do you remember maybe the product that got you into collecting? I started when I was younger collecting. Uh-huh. And I took a little bit of a break, but it's uh, it's always been your young your young guns, your series one, your series two, and your SP authentic that sure have always got me. And I, I stopped for a little while, and then all of a sudden I stopped and bought a box and sure. I had a gorgeous uh, sign of the times triple. Okay, and that gee, that was about 15 years now, and ever <laughs> since I'm buying. Was it a girl that got you out of it? No, it wasn't. No. So we hear that story a lot here on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I collected in you know the mid '80s and, and, and up through high school, and then I went to college, and I met a girl, and no, or, luckily, you know, or something like that. So it's no, funny. luckily, uh, Dan, who's my business partner and myself, like our wives support us oh, uh, a amazing. great amount. So they're actually working the shop, so we can be here. That's amazing. <laughs> it's it, that's another running story on our on our show is uh, the ladies behind the collecting. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, a lot of the time, without their support, it just wouldn't happen. Is uh, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, the ladies that do, to get their their husbands or significant others are usually more successful in the business because they have their support. Oh, definitely. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, not not that they even understand it. It's just they just um, they support you in what you do. So it's yep. it's it's easier that way. So uh, your brick and mortar is going good, but the breaking. Do you like you guys? Uh, how do, you, how do you do it different? Because there's a ton of breakers out there, right? So, that, But in Canada, you guys have a one-up on, on the breakers in the States because they can't break hockey, right? Yeah. So how, are you, how is breaking in the hockey market, how do, you, how do you differentiate between the breakers? Because there's a lot of them. Like for us, we just try to be consistent. Okay. Do everything with honest, honestly with integrity. Sure. And then build from there. Like we've been, we've been breaking so long. we got guys that we've had from, from day one that are still breaking with us six years later. Right. And then we just try to offer variety. Okay. Uh, variety at the best price that we can do it at. Are you guys breaking, like, older products still, or is it all current stuff? No, we do a mix. Okay. Try to do a mix, yeah. All right. Because, I mean, the last few rookie classes have been amazing. They have been. So, uh, and then this year's rookie class, I don't mean to sound negative, but, like, Upper Deck kind of just f- fell into this, kind of fell into their lap. And these guys are amazing. Like, Pedersen, we've we mentioned his, show, his name on the show so many times today already, but that's a guy that... Is going to be collectible across the hobby. What, what about does Ottawa have a guy that like that this year in the Young Guns? Ottawa does. Okay. He wasn't in Series One unfortunately because he got hurt to start the season. Okay. But it'll be uh, Kachuk. Okay. Kachuk will be in Series Two and he'll he'll All be right. a big hit in Ottawa. He already is on on the ice. Sure. How do you feel about losing like when they lose a guy like Carlson? How's that do for your shop? Does that does that hurt a little bit or? It actually hasn't. No, really? No, we haven't noticed much of an impact. We have, we've actually noticed that Carlson cards have actually been selling a little better. Really? But I, His young guns kind of took a took a, a jump there when he got they, traded they because did. there was a lot of yep. interest in it. So that, that makes sense. But then you guys have like Stone, Stone still around. Yep. Who's in goal, t- goal for you guys? Uh, Craig Anderson. Craig, okay, Craig Anderson. Uh, yeah, so how's he do? I mean, goalies are popular still in the hobby. Oh, so sure. and yep. is Anderson... Good in your shop? He is. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, all the Ottawa guys. It's, yeah. It's a rookie-focused crop. We had a couple, Ottawa had a couple great rookies last year. Sure. With Logan Brown, Fermentin, and all that. So it yeah. drove the, the products a bit. And going forward, it'll be Kachuk. And then we had a surprise player in Series 1 with uh, Maxime Lajoie. Yes. Came out of nowhere. The, yes. The defenseman scoring. <laughs> what about Daniel Alfredson? Is he still popular in the area? For the hobby, still For is. the hobby, yeah. That's funny. I just that name come to mind for whatever reason. So, you guys are uh, you guys are staying different. You're staying fresh. 
and is that ge- that's obviously giving you an advantage uh, among other breakers here. But when it comes, do you see American guys getting into your breaks, or is it mostly just Canada guys? Worldwide, it's worldwide. Yep, we have quite a bit. We actually one of our best uh, guys who participates in our breaks. He, yeah, they just flew in from the Czech. Oh wow! So they're here at the show. Wow! All the way from Czech Republic, and they're that's awesome. Like there, he's busting cupcases galore. He's over they, there. <laughs> they started with the breaks. Really. They're always in the breaks. So how does shipping it. like that help? I mean, do you guys have a, a flat rate on shipping or... In like breaks, we don't charge shipping. Are you serious? Yeah. So we don't charge on any other breaks. It's included in the uh, the break price. Wow. So That is... No one's ever told me that before. American side or... or uh, oh, my Ted, Ted's hitting me. The card fell out of the thing. Sorry, we- <laughs> we've got a unique website as well where you can, uh, you can choose if you want to pay Canadian, U.S. Or, funds. What's the website address? Outoftheboxcards.com. Uh, Outoftheboxcards.com. Okay, so you've blown my mind. There's no shipping cost. You have a unique web- website, and you ship worldwide. Yep. And we got a great loyalty program. <laughs> and a loyalty we program. We got a loyalty program. Tell me about that. that. Tell me what that is. So loyalty, we got loyalty program. It's not just for the breaks, but our entire uh, in-store on the website. It's 3% loyalty points on all the purchases. Wow. No, one per- my mistake. 1%, 1% loyalty points on all the purchases. And if you buy three teams in a break, you automatically get a 3% discount. Wow. You guys are kicking ass. Yeah, we try to <laughs> we try to make it fun. Awesome. It's fun for the hobby. It's enjoyable. We enjoy doing it. And <laughs> are, are, you, are there any plans to open in like a second shop, or are you just going to have the one and do the breaks? We'll see in the near future. We'll see in the near future. <laughs> awesome. Hint, hint. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, Jimmy, thanks so much for stopping by. This is really cool. Hey, no before, you, before you get out of here, please give your social media so my guys can follow you, especially my American listeners who want to get in on hockey breaks. Ken Kinsley, I'm talking directly to you. You can this, he has, There's no shipping fees, so please check this guy out. Jimmy, and we, use, and we use a company, to, especially for American guys. We know we always want to get the, the, pro, the cards as quick as possible. Right. So we're so close to the border. Right. They get dropped uh, cross-border and shipped to you guys quicker. Wow. So... <laughs> Definitely, uh, you want Kinsley, to jump in? I'm talking to you directly again, Ken Kinsley. Give these guys a, a chance. All right. Yep. Go, go so, ahead. Drop yeah, it. Yeah, so uh, just go on our website, www.outoftheboxcards.com. There's breaks up there. You can purchase products as well. And then there's links on the website to our Twitter, our Facebook. Awesome. And uh, feel free to, if you ever want to email us, sales at outoftheboxcards.com as well. All right, man. Thanks, you, thanks for stopping by. Hey, I really thanks appreciate for having it. us. Uh, guys, hang tight. We'll be back with another interview from the Sports Card Expo. Hey, guys. This is Lindsay Jones, the art director of Beckett Media, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys. Coming up next here on the Fat Packs Podcast is a good longtime friend, kind of, sort of. I, I just kind of met him, but I feel like I've known him forever. Mr. Peter Anthony. Peter is f- at Peter is funny on Twitter. What's up, man? How are you doing? I am well. I'm I'm surrounded by sports memorabilia and mostly hockey cards, so I'm 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 in a good mood right now. You're in a good mood right now. You're walking <laughs> around the show floor in an Expos cowboy hat. Explain that. Yeah. Well, actually, this is something that my brother Ken Reed picked up. Okay. Uh, he's here promoting his. His new book, book uh, a hockey card. I think you're going to talk to him later on. Yeah, probably. He he writes about hockey cards and does sort of they're sort of short stories. Mm-hmm. They're I, I call it like a perfect toilet book. Yeah, yeah. Not that it's yeah. not it should be flushed down the toilet, but <laughs> it's something you can read on the toilet, you right? Because exactly. it's like little stories. But uh, he's a we're old school Expos fans, and he picked up this vintage Montreal Expos cowboy hat, uh, which is amazing and fits perfectly. Check this out. That is. 
Right. And if you, you could almost be the marble man in that. Like a glove. <laughs> yeah, like a glove. That's right. Yeah, it's perfect. So are are you still are you still picking up Expos cards and stuff? I mean, memorabilia and collectibles? We'll have a soft spot for the Expos forever. Okay. Um Yeah, if, if something catches our eye mostly my brother though, he's more he has the man room type of Okay. Place. All right. Whereas I don't. I live in a smaller abode. Okay. So I don't have as much room for memorabilia. Sure. So, but he picks up all kinds of strange things. He actually got a in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Last time I saw you at the national, he got a he got a vintage uh, Expos batting helmet. Legit. Oh, nice. Used. Yeah. Fair who do you know who it was? We don't. We. Oh, we okay. Yeah. We unfortunately we don't. But but it was uh, definitely game used helmet. So really cool. Sweet. Yeah. Now. You you mentioned the cards, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you're a stand-up comedian. I love comedy, so this is, a, this is a perfect fit for me. How did you get in? How did you get up to stand-up uh, into stand-up comedy? I got uh, well. Stand stand-up's weird in Canada. It's we don't have much as much of a show business mm-hmm. type of environment as America does. So we're all kind of anonymous type guys up here, and then sure. eventually some of us move down to the U.S. Right. We'll go to New York or L.A. when we're ready. Sure. I was one of the guys that just decided never to leave Canada. <laughs> Unfortunately, so I'm sort of stuck in this world of anonymity doing shows up in Canada. But basically, there's a chain of comedy clubs called Yuck Yucks I work for. Okay. They have about 14 clubs across the country. Mm-hmm. I started working for them when I was about 23. And uh, I've been touring around remote places in the, in, in the great white north uh, now, since you, for the past 20 years, pretty much. Are you a headliner or a feature at this point in your well, career? Well, I close the shows out, so okay. I'm, a, I'm a headliner. Awesome. So I do everything from anywhere from usually about 45 minutes to an hour, hour, 10 minutes. Jeez. Uh, so there's a, yeah, I cover a lot of territory. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, tons of Montreal Expos jokes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! So, do you have an album out, or do you have a? a I do. A, okay. I have I have three albums out actually. Awesome. They're all on iTunes, and uh, my last one came out two years ago now, which is called Scotia Days. It's yeah, it's right there on iTunes if you want to pick it up. Sweet, go check it out. Is this is Peter Anthony on iTunes. Yeah, you can search for me, Peter Anthony, uh, or at Peter is funny on Twitter, like we talked about. Yeah. But when I'm not uh, when I'm not telling jokes in comedy clubs, I'm hanging around places like this. That's sweet. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bombard you with comedy questions. If no, you it's don't great. Mind. It's fine. Um, so, with how come you never made the move down? Because like there there are obviously huge, huge hugely widely known Canadians that come down, and Jim Carrey comes to mind. You know, and uh, you know. There's just tons of guys. Yeah, yeah. Just for laughs is something that I think of every time I think of Canada. I, I think it. I think it's a combination of a, a couple things. Um, one is nine uh, eleven happened. Okay. And I was really just turned off by going Job. to the U.S. Okay. I just politically thought it's going to be difficult for me to go down there now and and you know do what I want to do and just I I'm just really not. Uh, I'm sort of a homebody, yeah, you know, okay. and I also went down and I did some shows in Boston, I did some stuff in Seattle, uh, I did some stuff in New York, and then I just realized how big of a grind it was, oh, yeah? and I think out of pure laziness, which is my second point, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I lack ambition or drive, but yeah. I was just like, oh, I'm happy up home, and I'll, I'll just stay up here and, and do my thing, and, and hopefully uh, it works out, and it has. Awesome. You know, I'm not going to be a household name anytime soon, because you have to go to America to do that, but... Right. But there's still a, bit, a little bit of opportunity up here, so 
Where did you work at in Seattle? I'm I'm very familiar with the Seattle comedy scene. So. Yeah, I, I played a I played in a contest called the Seattle International Comedy Comedy yeah. Competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually toured around Washington State a little bit. Okay. But uh, my favorite show was at, at the Comedy Underground, which is a club right in Seattle. It's An not, amazing little club. Actually. Yeah. It's um, I saw the heirs of uh, Lenny Bruce there. So wow. it was it was five comedians that were just all Lenny Bruce fans, and they oh, wow. they. they one, of the, I forget his name, but he did one of the best jokes I have ever heard. Uh, President George Bush was still in office, and he said, "I saw a bumper sticker today. It says, have you prayed for your president?'" And I thought to myself, "No, I hadn't." So I hit my knees right there, and I said, "Dear Jesus, will you please kill that?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember that that's joke. Great. That's a like that's a very Lenny Bruce type joke, you know. You know, and the the, the great part about that club in particular is it's got a very it's got a good vibe for that kind of material. Yeah, you know, it, it plays well for a more dark, right. edgy. I, I like. I like a. At the time I played, it was. I remember walking down in this basement, and some of the sight lines were sort of off. And yeah, it was kind of not not necessarily dingy, but just a good environment for just to be a little bit more raw. Yeah, it, well, that you, you hit it on the head. It's in a basement. Yeah, and that's all you need to know about I it. I dig right? it. I dig it. So if, <laughs> I love playing basements. I'm like, get me in a musty basement that smells like it was just flooded two weeks ago, and yeah. I'm, a, I'm right in my wheelhouse, man. <laughs> there you I go. Love that. That's awesome. That's <laughs> so awesome. So we were, we're talking to collectibles. That's why. You're, that's why we're here at this show. Um, you, we talked to expos, but you, you mentioned hockey cards. And are, were were you and Ken big hockey card collectors growing up? Huge. It was. You know what? It it, it was sort of our biggest hobby, but it was also. I think one of the most healthiest things we did as kids. Okay. Because we weren't out getting in trouble. We weren't getting into fights. Sure. We were collecting cards, and, you know, we were huge sports fans, and it occupied a lot of our time. And then we started a business. Okay. I think Kenny was... 14 and I was 11 All and right. we were selling and buying cards and that, like how many you know what I mean that's nice really really crazy and there's a funny story in, in Kenny's book Hockey Card Stories 2 about when my mom brought a shoebox home uh, from a flea market and we found a Wayne Gretzky rookie card wow. in the shoebox and, wow. and we got in a major fist fight over who was going to get <laughs> possession of it. Oh, and so wow. that story's in Kenny's new book. And he, he, he interviews Gretzky about it and asks Gretzky about the card. And uh-huh. then Kenny relays the story about us fist fighting. And <laughs> it's really kind of cool. Yeah. So that, we, had, we had a rule. Kenny says it in the book, too. We had a rule that we weren't allowed, whenever we fought, we weren't allowed to punch each other in the face. But okay. anything else was anything cool. Was full of yeah. fair play. Yeah. That's brutal, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> and here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. My mom broke the fight up and made us have dual possession. So oh. we have, to this day, we have shared possession of that card. Does it like spin weekends at your house or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it on the weekends, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Isn't that crazy? Do you, did you have a guy growing up, like outside of Gretzky, did you have a player that you collected or a team that you focused on? You know what's odd? I like when it when it came to hockey cards, it was Gretzky. But okay. when it came to baseball cards, I was obsessed for some reason with Delano De Shields from the Montreal oh, Expos. Of course, man, His, he was great. Uh, junior plays for the Rangers, so I completely understand. Totally, the, yeah. Uh, he was my favorite ball player, and as an Expos fan, so I have probably the most massive collection of Delano De Shields rookie cards. That's so awesome in the known world. Do you have any like memorabilia of his or anything like that? I don't have any. I you know what? I never met him. I never got his signature. Mm-hmm. Um... I may have actually strike that I may have gotten a card signed through the mail, but I okay. never met him in person. But uh, just have a just a shitload of old Expos cards. And sure. So the more obscure, the better to me. But Delano was one of their stars, and that yeah. year, I swear to God, they would have won the World Series. It was it ninety three? Right, ninety four. When the lockout right. happened, and, lockout. and we were so 
um, heartbroken that that happened because as Expos fans, right. it was the closest we were ever going to come. Larry Walker ended up in Colorado yeah. uh, after that. And I I moved to Colorado in 1998, so that was right in the middle of the uh, of the course field. They called them the uh, the Bomb Street Bombers or the Bay Street Bombers or something like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I got that name wrong because it, it was a play off the Bronx, the Bronx Bombers. And uh, it was whatever road – no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So th- it was it was uh, Larry Walker who was just oh, an, an amazing baseball player. Incredible. Uh, I think he's underrated actually. And then, I do too. He's he's. I think he's probably the best baseball player to ever come out of Canada. That's, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I can't think of anyone close. I'm partial to Michael Saunders. Okay. Yeah. Michael I, Saunders is great too. Uh, he he played for the Mariners when I when I when I worked for the M. So uh, he was. He was always um, very nice, very cool, and he—he's he's got a big, a deceptively big bat. Like you don't like when he hits one, he he cranks it. Oh yeah, you know. And then I have a I have a bat that I'm kind of proud of. It it was um, it's just a game. It was a game used bat of his. It's a broken bat, but he was the last player on the on the Canadian Olympic team because they, they they disbanded the baseball. So, uh, the, the Olympic Committee did right. So, right. Uh, he was the last player on the Canadian Olympic team. I have a game used bat of his, so I thought that was wow. Kind of cool. That's yeah. really cool. Was it? It wasn't one of those bats that like flies into the stands and you catch it, is it? <laughs> no. I always, uh, I always think like that is the scariest thing that can happen at a sporting event. Oh yeah, a bat flying at your head. Worse That's why you get to keep it. Right? Worse yeah. than a puck, though. I think so, because it, a bat can splinter and maybe yeah, yeah, like a bat can slice you in two. Yeah, a puck you're just gonna get a broken nose or, yeah. or a. Or a bump on your head. Bump on right? head. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've never. No, it wasn't one of those, but it was a broken bat. He broke it on a foul ball, so uh, it came up to. And so what? What I did for the Mariners was I sold game used memorabilia, and they would bring the stuff up during the game, and they brought that up. I just I put it to the side. Nice. <laughs> no one people, knew about Would it. people want the bat if it was? Would it, it would cost less if it was broken? No, no, no. It works? actually costs more. Really? Because it, it's game used at that point. Ah. It, it, it shows wear. Ah, I get um, it. So. Um, the Mariners had d- drafted Dustin Ackley, and they were really proud of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And those those bats were like five hundred dollars. You couldn't even touch them. But uh, Saunders, no one really cared about. I, th- I paid sixty bucks for that bat. Wow! And I still have it. It's pretty. Have cool. you seen? So at the end of hockey games, NHL games, they do three stars. Of course. And a lot of times, the first star will come out and then put their stick over the glass yeah. and give it to a fan. Yeah. There, it would be cool if there was something similar to that in baseball. Uh, but they don't do stars in baseball. Yeah, they don't do that in baseball. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty cool, though. That, but then if they throw the bat into the sands, I mean, it cracks someone's head yeah, open. So maybe there's a liability thing That's there. not good. Yeah. <laughs> Major League Baseball teams getting sued across the country. Right. <laughs> it, it just ruins MLB completely. completely. There's no more baseball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, since we're talking baseball, are you are you a Blue Jays guy at all? I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Blue Jays fan. Yeah, so... Um, when the Blue Jays would come down, like it seemed like all of Canada would come down with them, and you guys got the drunkest I have ever seen people <laughs> in my life, yeah. <laughs> just watching Blue Jays baseball at Safeco Field. Yeah, I, I, we, I, I would say we travel well to support the team. Yeah, but we're probably not on our best behavior when we're in visiting parks. I, I watched, I watched some Canadians fans <laughs> there, and this guy, one of the one of the one of the party, he he just got he was done, like he was passed out, and his friend. Slapped him in his face as hard as humanly possible, and he stayed asleep. And they were like, "We're leaving." <laughs> they just left. Well, there's that's how it goes sometimes. So, with with you being a traveling comedian, do you still collect stuff? Like, do you like do you make it a point to go to shows or card shops when you're out on the road? Yeah, that that actually that's a cool question that I've never been asked before, but I do. I I whatever city I'm in, I usually see if there's 
you know, a collectible store because you, you have so much time to kill because yeah. you honestly wake up at 11 or 12 and then sure. you're not on stage till 9, so you got a bunch of hours to fill. Right. So I'm, I'm constantly walking around cities and checking stuff out and seeing if there's card shops or just interesting places to, to eat lunch even, you know? Right. Yeah. So I guess if you're up in some of those little, like, podunk towns it might be a little hard to find card shops but it's impossible most yeah. of them yeah <laughs> but like you can go, go into the, someone's basement and see if they got cards but <laughs> most people aren't that accommodating have you ever recognized <laughs> been recognized when you went into a card shop somewhere else no not yet that's funny we're gonna no, make yeah, that well, happen. I, I, I don't there's not is there a crossover between collecting and comedy you know like you're a big comedy fan but yeah. i think it's i don't like there's not much of a crossover like i for example i've been to like a bunch of sports card expos and you know there's, there should be like a stand-up show. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. a free little stand-up show for a half an hour. There's a stage right over there. You want to go do this? Not right now. No, <laughs> no, no. But I mean, you know, like a little pocket of, of yeah. a room to do shows about. And you could even like do write material about car, getting cards. And exactly. Card suck and exactly. It would be really cool. You want to do something with me? I was going to do this with your brother, but you want to do it with me? What's that? Um, so this month is No Shave November. Yep. And we're running down the top 20 beards in sports. Oh, so for a comedy side of for a comedic nice. side of things, let's try to do this. Uh, let's try to do that. You want to do that? Absolutely. So we've already done we'd already we've already done twenty through sixteen. So we're going to do fifteen through through eleven right 15 now. Fifteen through eleven. All right. Sure. So let me find where I put this list because I was I was typing it up for. Are there what are the requirements? Is it just beers that look funny or interesting or shape wise? Uh, yeah, a little bit of every all that you know. Yeah. So um, if you don't know who these guys are, well. We'll move on. Okay. Okay, but so uh, we'll start with number 15, Connor McGregor. Oh, wow. That beard is Connor, pretty nice. Na- Connor has a beard? Connor, see, there you go. Connor, I didn't think he could grow a beard. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know Irish guys could grow a beard like right, that. Right, yeah, like, yeah. Let's have a look. But, uh, have well, a- I can't pull it up because I don't have internet. <laughs> but uh, let, you know what? Let me let me write these down. I picture his beard to be um, like a pathetic you know, one of those, just just some guy that just hit puberty. Okay. And and it's sort of a scraggly and more puby than it should be. Okay. Does All that right. make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make Very sense. Very unkempt. It, it is. I think because he's a fighter. Right. Um, he might not uh, keep it keep it as clean as mm-hmm. he should. Um, but, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely there. Right. And, and is, he, is he growing a beard because it absorbs punches? Is that... <laughs> Like, if I was a fighter, I would have a massive beard because it would slow down the punch, right? Right. Uh, you would think so. Yeah. Chuck, I think Chuck Norris, actually, under Chuck Norris's beard is just another fist for, he, <laughs> for him to hit you with. You could just so, stare at a guy and a fist comes out of his beard and knocks the guy out. That's crazy, right? That's amazing. We used to share an office with Chuck Norris down down in uh, Dallas. Wow. His his office was right next to our, our Beckett offices. Could you feel his essence and his presence it was, through uh, the walls? It was palpable. You could yeah. Just, it, uh, there was a taste in that, the air. That's Chuck. When Chuck Norris <laughs> That's spot. Chuck. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, the the next guy I don't know very well, so I'm going to see if you know him. Olivier Olivier Gourard. Do you know who that is? Olivier Gourard? Gourard. Gourard. He, he is a French soccer player on the well, French I, national team. It definitely sounds French. I'm going to pull him up so we can so we can look at his name, uh, his, his beard. Uh, and, now I'm picturing a very well-kept beard. It is very well-kept. A very kept. French, suave, romantic yeah, S- something that something that a would a woman would pass out if she saw. Yeah, it, it's definitely something. So much like sex that. appeal. A lot of sex appeal with this beard. So yeah, let's. let's oh man, it's so well cut too. Look at that. I thing. I knew it. Look at that thing. Oh yeah, that's that's that's, he, that's manicured beard. right there. Do you there. think that gives him some extra uh, 
extra prowess on the soccer on the pitch. I don't know if it would give him any advantage uh, with with soccer skills, but definitely uh, with the ladies. For Hold sure. on, I got I got to show you this one. Look at look at that's the profile. Look at the profile. Wow, nice shape. Yeah, very nice. Do you think he wets it? So well I, played, Gerard. I, I learned that uh, wetting a beard means you, you put oil in it. And, oh yeah, and you gotta yeah yeah you gotta do that right. Do you so, do that to yours? I certainly do. Really? But I didn't know it was called wetting. I, it's called wetting. It's called wetting. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. So that's I, I I have a I have a tight little beard going right yeah, now. Yeah. You, you, so I don't, I don't even need to do much for it. Now, does Ken grow a, a beard? soap and water. Does Ken grow a beard? Or no, he's just... he's not. He's on TV, so he can't. He, he can't, can't grow one. But this is um, in Canada. I don't know if you guys do this in the United States, but we have something called Movember. Okay, yeah. So the same thing we're doing here. No shave November. Movember oh, is okay, the same but thing. But it's only for mustaches up here. Okay. So you have to grow a mustache. And it's to support men's health yeah. and bring awareness to things like prostate cancer and suicide awareness and things like that. Um, and so when you interview my brother later, he's going to have a really bad start of a duster. Okay. So, yeah, just be forewarned. Okay, I'll make sure that we <laughs> check that out. All right, next on the list, this is uh, number 13, Roy Nelson from the UFC. Do you know who Roy yes, Nelson Roy is? Roy Nelson. Big Con- country, country Roy. Big country Roy oh, Nelson. Oh, that's awful. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, what good. is that? That is massive, good man. Good Lord. Uh, he definitely needs to clean that up a little bit. He is um, it yeah, like it, a, it's even a rabid there. raccoon trying to break out of his own face. <laughs> Those look just like big sideburns, that one. They sh- yeah, they sure do. Mother God. He is, uh, that's so a massive there you go. That, that definitely absorbs punches. There's no doubt does. in my th- There's no doubt in my mind. That's like wearing protective headgear. That's right. In the ring. Yes. The octagon, rather. Yes, that's like a football helmet. That's not fair. I would if I was if I was fighting him, I would say I'm not fighting country Roy. Next up, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, yeah. He's got a very nice manicured beer. Let me let me there you go. It's it's very it's very nice and manicured. Oh yeah, it's, that's that's almost as good as our French friend. Yeah, he's very suave, right? Yeah, that's nice. Kyrie, I, I mean I got I got nothing bad to say about his beard. Okay, then we're gonna yeah. move right along that's to That's tight. All right, uh Miel Janek. He he is uh, he's a soccer player from Australia. Okay. This guy's beard is stuff that legend is made of. Oh wow, that is. Uh, oh, it, it, you know, it almost looks photoshopped. Almost That's how good that beard is. Yeah. Almost looks like it's not real. Yeah. Like it's a beard wig. Yeah. That you would buy in a costume shop. That's how perfectly manicured that thing is. That thing is. It's got a life of its own. Here's a little profile view. It's the type of beard that makes you want to stand up and applaud. Right. Yeah. A little, little profile view for it. Oh, my goodness. It looks like a ski jump. Yeah. Look at that thing. You could, like at Whistler. It could be at Whistler. You could just, uh, yeah, yeah. You could, you could, yeah, that could be the prototype for an angle of a ski jump right off the end of his chin. Absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely. All right, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut this down. It's been 20 minutes. Could I put my vote in for number one who, on the beard? <laughs> yeah. Who do, my, who do you think my, it is? My vote would be Gritty. I think Gritty should take the. Think so that beard is. Uh, Look at that thing. You know what? We I got might, a picture of Gritty in front of it. I right might now. have to redo the whole list <laughs> and put Gritty at number one. <laughs> that is awesome. That is the nicest reddest beard I've ever seen in my life. That is. Uh, is it red or is it orange? Is Gritty the thing of nightmares, or is it something that? Kid, it kind of looks like my ex-wife. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, she didn't last long. Uh, but at least the relationship's over. Yeah, at least the relationship's over. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, where can we follow you on social media? I know we said it earlier, but where can Yeah, we- it's uh, at Peter's Funny on Twitter. If you want to check out any of my stand-up, uh, it's all on iTunes. And uh, really appreciate you letting me hang out for, for a little bit. And always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I'm glad you stopped by. Actually, we, we, I passed you and we ran into each other. So yeah. I'm glad that that happened. I saw for you sure. walking in the hat. I was like... 
hey, I gotta talk to him, and then very serendipitous. It's hard, it's hard to miss a guy in an exposed cowboy hat. It too, sure right? is. So, there it you sure go. is. All right, uh, any dates coming up that uh, Canadian listeners might want to know? Yeah, about? usually everything's at at on at petersfunny.com. I got a couple comedy clubs. Uh, I'm doing one in just outside of Toronto in Vaughan at Yuck Yucks okay. next week. All right, and then I'm uh, heading to the East Coast next month as well. So everything's there on my website at petersfunny and petersfunny.com. Welcome, guys. Uh, Hang tight. We'll be right back. Peter, thank you for joining me, buddy. Cheers. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Chris from Buck City Break, and you're listening to the Fat Packs on Beckett Radio. All right, guys, coming up here next uh, from the Sport Card Expo 2018 Fall Edition is our show sponsor, Mr. Angelo from Universal. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. Thanks. How's it going? I'm so glad that you're here, man. Uh, you are... I don't want to insult you when I say that. you're kind of the kingpin up here. Like, is that is that fair to say? No. I don't I don't want to be no. I, don't, I don't want to be, but like when where distributors are concerned, Universal is is the the player up here. Well, you know, I know that there's others, but for look, and there's there's others, and they do a great job, yeah. and, and we work you know well with with, with other guys as well. Um, but you know what? I don't worry too much about what what the other guys are doing. Um, you know, when, when I started the company uh, with my brother 30 years ago, uh-huh. um, you know, it was really, a, we had such a passion for this business. We, okay. d- we didn't really do it for the money. We did it because we loved it. Sure. Uh, we also saw, you know, we, this this business that wasn't really quite there, but we could see the vision of what it would be in 10, 20, 30 years. Sure. You know, it's been 30 years this, now. Wow. Um, it's amazing. I mean, this show, I've been coming to this show for almost 30 years. Really? Um, okay. You know, it's it's quite, it's it's cool seeing people, you know, when they had, you know, hair. We all had hair back then, and you know, now all of us are aging together. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing. But I look back and, you know, at how things, you know, were back then. Mm-hmm. Um, we just loved what we did so much. But it wasn't just about the love. It's about having that vision sure. and being able to, you know, everyday work towards coming closer to closer to that to that and it becomes about the journey and the destination but you know you're, you're as as you're building it you're creating all these relationships and we're in the unique position as a distributor we don't make the product we don't sell the product to the end user mm-hmm. so you know what do we do uh, we're right. not we can't just be a logistical convenience sure so essentially we you know we have the fantastic opportunity of of, of partnering and building relationships with both our suppliers, Upper Deck, you know, yeah. in this case for hockey cards, the you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. and each of these dealers in here, um, and helping them grow their business. That's kind of we see as a you know us being a catalyst to help people grow their business. Our suppliers, you know, their marketplace, and our customers, theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's just what we focus on. Uh, and if we can be a positive influence, for, you know, for growth, then we've done our job. So I want to ask you this then, because you, you've been you've been around for thirty years. And you've seen multiple licenses with hockey, and mm-hmm. now we're down to one license with hockey. Is it a start business difference for you, uh, where it, where it's you know the one versus three, or do you have a preference with working with just the one? Um, you know, it's just a different focus. Okay. Uh, every company is, is different. You know, Upper Deck is different from Tops, and Tops is different from Panini. Right. Um, certainly, you know, when when we were doing this way back when, you know, from the late '80s, the '90s, uh, you know, you didn't see exclusive licenses. That right. was that is definitely a newer a newer thing. Sure. Um, you know, the focus is definitely different. Um, you know, it's a fine balance. Sometimes having good competition it's healthy mm-hmm. too much competition becomes a free-for-all right um 
you know, we went from having at one point, you know, four different licensees for hockey, you know, you know, eventually down to one. Um, you know, and then of course two with Panini being there for a while. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a tricky thing because you know when you're when you're a manufacturer and you have a license mm-hmm. and you're on your own, you know you feel like you you can do pretty much. Uh, you can take ownership of the marketplace and really make the investments without really worrying that you know somebody else is going to benefit from the investments that you're making. Sure. Um, at the same time, you know um, when there are two companies, you know you can really you know um, incentivize incentivize innovation. Right. Um, and we saw that as well. So it's not really a. I don't know that there's a right and wrong answer. I would say, in fact, that there's a good time for an exclusive. Mm-hmm. And there's a time where you know maybe the lesson shouldn't be exclusive. Sure. Um, I don't think that the uh, there's any one solid you know method of doing business. I think it's more the environment that should dictate that strategy mm-hmm. than the other way around. You know, there's a time where it makes sense to be exclusive, and a time where the environment maybe it makes more sense to have a couple of licensees. Okay. Really, we we, we brought you over here to talk cards, but I was told this morning and showed proof of some amazing things that i didn't know about you angel you're 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 an mma trainer is this true <laughs> yeah i used to be and not, not not really anymore but uh yeah yeah that's my background that's uh you know my uh my uh one of my other passions yeah. in, in life was uh was mma um uh i was the head uh, coach at tristar martial arts in fact i was the the first um, um, coach of TriStar Martial Arts wow. uh, and Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Uh, that, of course, now produces uh, you know athletes like George Pierre and yeah. uh, David Loazzo, uh, yeah. Ivan Menjivar, and and all these other That's other UFC awesome. guys. Um, so yeah, that that was my background. In uh, in um, I started uh, Universal in 1989, uh, and uh, in um, right around that same time, I started uh, you know getting really involved in uh in mixed martial arts at the time okay um there was no real mixed martial arts right uh, you had the style versus style you know mm-hmm. kind of uh, um thing happening um and then 1993 you had first ufc of course I had already been training with uh with the gracie family at the time right. uh and uh, i would travel to new york um most weekends uh to do training and then come back to montreal you know work at universal um really was just a hobby i never thought it would ever amount to much sure um so i certainly was not the visionary that saw you know mma being you know this huge massive property that it is now or that you know mma fighters could really you know uh, live off <laughs> fighting right uh, and you know um that all changed you know in uh you know in the early 2000s mm-hmm. um just we saw the sport absolutely explode uh, so it was, it was not an easy thing having, kind of doing that and, you know, having Universal. It was, uh, I had to manage both for quite a few years. Sure. Uh, yeah. as they both, both grew. I, I, uh, I was in George's, uh, George St. Pierre's, uh, corner, uh, as his head coach, you wow. know, for quite a few years. Wow. Um, uh, things started to get a little harder for me right around 2004. I, I, uh, had a son. Okay. Uh, our first kid. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, life started to get a little harder, <laughs> <laughs> With uh, with time, you know, I had to obviously be at Universal. We trained uh, in the morning. Um, we used to start our training sessions at five six in the morning. Uh, finish around around nine. Mm-hmm. Go to go to the office. You know, work the day. Sure. After the day, head over to TriStar. You know, yeah. do more training till ten at night. Yeah. Uh, go see my wife for about an hour at home. <laughs> wow. But uh, it did change. I had my son in two thousand four, which um, um, you know certainly changed my schedule quite a bit. Um, you know, at uh, five or six p.m. when I'd finished the office, I didn't want to go to you know to train, train anymore yeah. and, and 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 work out. I wanted to go and play with my son. Sure. So uh, I started to um, 
uh, groom uh, a fantastic young uh, athlete uh, called Faraz Sahabi, who had been training with me for, for a few years. I uh, started taking him with me to some of the fights, uh, um, taking him you know, to the corner so he can kind of slowly yeah. start to, to, to learn the craft. Uh, in 2006, I had my, uh, my daughter. Okay. Uh, and I, I completely stopped traveling. Uh, yeah. And, and he took over the gym completely at that point. That's awesome. Uh, and I, I moved away. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's been extremely successful. He's one of the yeah, most brilliant minds uh, in the sport uh, today. Fantastic yeah. coach, fantastic individual, and he's done a f- great job uh, mm-hmm. you know, making TriStar one of the premier mixed martial arts gym, uh, gyms in the world. Do you guys use zebra mats at TriStar? Did you guys use it? Not back when I was there. Okay. Uh, I think they do now, but I'm not really sure. I should... I'm... Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm very good friends with the with the vice president of Zebra Mats. That's why I asked that oh, question. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's that's funny. So let, can I talk about GSP for a minute? By all means, of course. So <laughs> obviously, it's a point of pride as it should be for you know for what he's accomplished. But just from your own mouth, what is it like having trained the best pound for pound fighter in the world? I mean, you know, uh, it's 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 nice. It's great. I mean, when George came to us, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if most people are aware of how George started training at TriStar. This is a pretty cool story okay. that most people probably don't know. All right. Um, so George's one of George's first fights, if I can, I think it was his first. In fact, his first fight was versus Ivan Menjivar. Do right. you, guys, you know who Ivan Menjivar? I don't know that name. So Ivan Menjivar is actually was a um, uh, a lightweight uh, contender. Okay. Uh, in the UFC, he had had you know a few years of a career in, in the UFC as a, as a fighter. Okay. And well, it's coincidence, of course, that both Ivan Menjivar and George St. Pierre started training us in a, training with us in a, in a similar way. So Ivan actually was fighting another one of my first first students uh, in MMA at a tournament out in Quebec. Uh, and after after the fight, I mean, uh, Ivan lost the fight. He comes up to me. He was an opponent, Mm -hmm. and he asked me if he can come train with us next week. (laughs) And I said, of course, absolutely. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, I I was a big believer in, you know, the the more high-level athletes you can get together to train together, the better everybody becomes. Exactly. Uh, So Ivan started training with us. Uh, A few months later, Ivan is scheduled for a fight against this guy who who was, I believe, 0-0. It was his first professional fight. It was George St. Pierre. Okay. Um, So they, you know, they started. I was in Ivan's corner, and George was on the other side. Uh, (laughs) And the fight got stopped. Uh, and in the end, I believe it was ruled a no contest. The referee thought Ivan was given up. Ivan likes to talk during the fights, and he was saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And the ref thought he was saying, okay, like oh, I'm okay. done. Yeah, I'm done, I'm done, um, right. And, uh, and, and, you know, basically he stopped the fight. And they were both fine. So George comes over, you know, afterwards, you know, uh, after the fight to the corner, and he says, hey, Angelo, can I come train with you next week? <laughs> Uh, and that's how he started. He was, you know, young. I believe he was 18 or 19 at the time. Sure. Uh, and we put together just such a fantastic group of young athletes uh, at TriStar. That, and we were very open to taking everybody on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, all I had to do really is just schedule them. Sure. Uh, give them a good environment to train in, give them a little bit of direction. And uh, those guys were, were awesome. You know, just such a tremendous work ethic. Sure. Uh, and that's why they were successful. Now, do you, do you have a working relationship with Dana White or had you have one? Oh, a brief one. I'm, I'm yeah. a coach, not an agent. Okay, all right. Um, so, so certainly, you know, uh, you know, we would speak on occasion. And certainly, I, I think the last significant conversation that I had with Dana, it was a pretty good one. It was a funny one. I don't even know if he remembers it. Uh, but we were, I believe it was Miami. It was uh, David Wazo. You know David Wazo? Yeah, he was a, yeah. another contender. Mm-hmm. So David was fighting, I believe, Mark Weir from, from England at the time. All right. UFC 40, 41, something like that. I, I don't remember. A long time ago. So it was now. quite, a, quite yeah. some time ago. It was one of our first UFC fights. 
fights from from TriStar. And um, during, I believe, the weigh-in or some press, you know, photo thing was happening outside uh, in Miami. Uh, and Dana was there and we were chatting a little bit and he starts talking to me about this new big thing that he has going on that he just signed with this you know, Spike TV channel. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, well, Spike TV, okay, what is it? He said, it's a reality show. It's this reality show. It's oh. going to be awesome. And of course, during that time, reality shows were all the rage, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, a reality show. <laughs> really? For MMA. It's, like, it's going to be a reality show for MMA. And I'm thinking... Well, if they came to TriStar and filmed us, you know, 24 hours a day, sure. it would probably be the, the most boring TV show in the world. <laughs> they wake up, they train, they mm-hmm. eat, they sleep a little bit, maybe get some therapy, you know, train. Sure. Go back, relax a little bit, maybe watch some video, go, you know, sleep, train, sleep. <laughs> right. Uh, who the hell is going to want to watch that? Right. Um, but... You know, next thing I knew, this show called The Ultimate Fighter was on TV. And, of course, you see that they're, you know, instigating a little bit of, you know, know, adding some alcohol into the house and, you know, some volatile personalities in there to make for an interesting show. Um, And I'll tell you, you know, that, that Miami event, I remember, was... Not maybe half capacity. The stadium was maybe six thousand people sure. in a you know fifteen thousand you know right. people arena. Uh, and um, after that, after that um, finale aired, mm-hmm. um, and the way that that you know that went down with Forrest, yeah, Griffin, um, and uh, oh god, I can't remember the other guy. But uh, after, I'm sorry. Yes, it, no, no, it was a bit. Yeah, it was Bonner, Stephen Bonner. That's right, Stephen Bonner. That's right, exactly. Um, you know, it was a fantastic fight, but I remember very clearly we had a, one of the guys was scheduled for a fight right after that finale, mm-hmm. and it was in Vegas, and we went there, and the show was not just sold out. Tickets were going for like thousands of dollars. Wow! It was it was unbelievable to see that just uh-huh. from going to from a half full arena right after that show of eight, eight weeks or whatever it lasted mm-hmm. to every show after that that we were at was sold out. That's crazy. Every single one. That's absolutely crazy. It's quite something. And, and, and really, it, you could see it because I remember the type of crowd we had before. It was kind of the hardcore crowd, the new MMA. Mm-hmm. But we never had the mainstream people. We right. never had kind of your casuals. Right. We were never in any kind of mainstream newspaper or sports page back sure. then. Right after that show, that changed. We were on you know, ESPN. We were on kind of the regular newspaper sports section. Sure. Um, just a completely different different world for the sport. You know, and remember, I went through the years where you, know, you couldn't find mm-hmm. MMA other than you know, real on the internet. Or, right. or you know, it had been banned on you know, most, most TV. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a great story, man. I think we'll end the show today there because that was awesome. Awesome. Uh, Angelo, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, just for my listeners who maybe are looking to get into being a dealer, you want to give out your your, your information, uh, email Absolutely. address, or how, where, where can they find you? Anytime anybody wants to maybe you know get into this trading card business, give us a, a, a check out at um, uh, universaldistribution.com or universaldist.com, okay. universaldist.com. Same thing if you're right, universaldistribution.com. All right. Uh, and uh, we'll be glad to, uh, glad to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angelo. Appreciate it. Uh, guys, thanks for listening today. Come back tomorrow. We'll have a whole new, brand new show for you. Until then, just keep listening. Cue the Drake.